Fran, hi, you're there. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Priscilla. And uh, anyway, good morning to all of you. Um, you know, there's sometimes a little bit of a delay in comments here. And uh, although I don't know, there's something else going on there in the background, I think, in the conversations. Uh, in the comment section there that I might not have picked up on totally here. We are going to finish up. I think we're going to finish up first Peter this morning. I think uh, if we don't, then we'll finish it up on Monday, but we're going to uh, give an attempt to finish it up here this morning uh, because it is a shorter chapter, uh, but we'll see how much we get through. If we do fantastic. If we don't fantastic. 
It's good to be together with you. It's good to be together with God's word. And uh, so anyway, let's jump in. First Peter chapter one to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and the one who also will share and one, not the one, but one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Now, interesting. Again, words like the Apostle Paul would say as he speaks about uh, the glory to be revealed. We read those types of things in the book of Romans. There is a glory that will be revealed. We share in that glory. Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. John writes about it uh, in the book of Revelation about this absolutely extraordinary glory that will be participants together in, we will share together in this great inheritance stored up for the Christians. But we just know to whom he is appealing in this section of the letter. Now, remember, the letter didn't have chapters and verses. It was a flowing letter. Uh, they didn't have uh, punctuation as we have. So it just all kind of flowed together we, for the purposes of being able to move, uh, help people find their way and locate someone along the way. In fact, I should research who came up with the idea of chapters and verses. I don't know. I've never asked that question before, uh, but it's it's a, a fantastic tool because now I can say First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, and we know exactly where we are. And he says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and the one who will also share in the glory. He's writing to elders. Now, elders, these are church leaders. Let's put this into the New Living. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I, too, will share in his glory and is revealed to the whole world. As, an, as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. He's writing elder to elder. Now, different words are used here. Uh, in the original language uh, for elder and elder pastor actually interestingly for you to know uh, words this phrase here presbyteros is the word that is used from which we get presbyterian so those of you that are anti-presbyterian just realize it has a biblical root probably some more so than Baptist does, just for the record. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, elders, uh, some presbyteros uh, is the word used a little bit later on. He says, I am also an elder. Uh, I share some co, like a co-elder, presbyter, uh, there are other words that get used in the New Testament, but they're all interchangeable. Pastors, elders, overseers. Frankly, even the word bishop is a word that gets used. But biblically speaking, the word elder, pastor, overseer, and bishop uh, are all referring to the same group of people. This particular wording is presbyteros. Uh, Again, from which we get the word Presbyterian. So those that would be, I'm Baptist, not a Presbyterian. Wait a minute, we're talking about Presbyteros here. Um, 
He is speaking to those who have been charged with leadership in the church. That's whom he is addressing uh, in this section uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and following. What will he say to them? He will say to them, be shepherds of God's flock who is under your care. Now here's the word, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Now often there is not, uh, is no money exchange for those who serve as elders. And some churches, a common practice is to set aside a sum of money for the, the primary teaching elder who has uh, a greater responsibility um, because of the weekly preparation of teaching scripture and whatnot. Uh, and there are churches, just for the record, that uh, I don't want to stir up a problem here, but there are churches that do not pay any of the elders. They are all equally gifted at communicating the word of God. They distribute the responsibilities among themselves as elders, uh, and they share the work of the church. They all have other jobs. They all... Um, and they all have a portion of responsibility for the leadership of the church. But I want to hone in on what it says in verse 2, because this is a shift that our own church has been undergoing. Be shepherds of God's flock. Notice it doesn't talk anything in here about managing stuff. Nada, nothing, zero, zip. It speaks about shepherding people. The responsibility biblically Elders uh, are tasked with caring for people. Elders are tasked with making sure that they move the sheep from pasture to pasture to make sure they're getting amply fed. Uh, shepherds, uh, elders are tasked with the responsibility of providing protection for the sheep from heretical teaching. Uh, shepherds are uh, tasked with the responsibility of see, of helping people develop on into maturity in Christ. That's the role of shepherds. Uh, and, and I know lots of churches, and our churches had been one of them, that the, the work of shepherding had to do more with numbers and decisions about things like fuel oil or tires for vehicles or uh, things of that nature and paid a lot less attention to uh, what it meant to shepherd the people. Uh, and that's a shift uh, it, with this last iteration in our last congregational meeting in our church that we have deacons there to manage the, the, the tasks uh, and for the shepherds, the elders to learn uh, to shift to a different focus. Now, this inherent in this is, is a lot of stuff. Inherent in, in this is that it's responsibility, it's incumbent on uh, elders to know sheep, to know the sheep, to get to know the sheep. Uh, it's incumbent on elders to know where sheep are in their growth process. There are, There's at least five levels of growth in the spiritual life, in the Christian life, and uh, from, from uh, pre-spirituality or uh, lostness, to a place of being a multiplying follower of Christ. Um, and, and the responsibility of elders would be to say, 
where is so-and-so in this process? How can we encourage them to grow into their maturity? Some of the answer to that are things like small groups. Uh, or, and there's a shift even in thinking here, disciple groups, disciple-making groups. This fall, we'll be having some groups that uh, the focus, and, and, and I'll just be honest, when I hear someone say, well, it's another Bible study. No, it's not another Bible study. We're trying to help ourselves learn to think differently uh, about people growing in Christ. You know, uh, we should look around our church on Sunday and go, where's that person in their spiritual walk? Where's that person in their spiritual walk? How do we move them along? And now, to a certain measure, um, sometimes we have resistant sheep, and sheep don't want to move. Okay, but let's move those who will move, and let's grow those who will grow. We are tasked with the responsibility, uh, and I can show you over in the book of Colossians. Let me take you there, book of Colossians. Uh, the end of the first chapter into uh, into the second chapter, Paul will write about this, um, and I, I believe those tasked with spiritual leadership in the church should share this. It says, now I, re- I can rejoice in what was suffered for you. I fell up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. It's not that Christ's afflictions lack, but but the working out of that in people's lives, he, uh, that's what Paul says he's filling up in his flesh. For the sake of the body, which is the church, I have become a servant by the commission of God uh, that, that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Uh, that's a commission I have. The, the mystery that it has been kept hidden for ages and generation, but now disclosed to the saint, saints, that is the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which I just said. And he says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. He goes into chapter 2. Says this, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those uh, uh, Laodica, uh, and for all those who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And it goes on and says a little bit more, but, but his purpose, that people be encouraged in heart, that people be united in love, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, that they may know, gnosko is the word for know, gnosko, experientially know, the mystery of God, namely Christ, people growing up in Christ. So here's Paul giving the model, this is what I do, I labor so people will grow, that is the labor uh, for which elders are called to, we're, we're called to, you know, we, the, the lower level is we're called just to pray for people when they're sick. Now, frankly, I mean that that is a response uh, a responsibility that we have as elders. I, I've I went and visited a lady uh, this past week who's dying of cancer, you know, and uh, that's something that elders would do. Uh, we had a phone call from. Another lady, not part of our church, who 
sounds like there's some demonic stuff going on there. Uh, that's the type of stuff elders step into. Boom. They know what to do with that. And, uh, you know, I was talking with uh, Courtney and Jacob yesterday and said, doesn't bother me. I, I you know, I, I'm confident who I am in Christ and dealing with uh, the demonic world. And, uh, you know, but the question is, do, do others of us do, would you know what to do in dealing with the demonic situation? You know, I, I don't want to be engaged long term with this woman because she's a woman. And I don't need to be engaged long-term with this woman um, in dealing with this issue. Those are the types of things that elders would step into and deal with spiritual issues of that nature. There's, there, there is maturing the flock, but then also in verse 2, he talks about uh, be shepherds of God's flock under your care. There is the caring aspect. So there's the evangelizing aspect. There's the discipling aspect. And there is the caring aspect. Those things are are enough to do, let alone with managing things like uh, budgets and buildings and uh, uh, all the other stuff that, that, that there is to do. In fact, when Peter wrote these things, and, and this is, and I have said this before, one of the, and we have to live within the uh, the paradigm which we have, but they didn't have buildings in, in, in this day. They, the focus was, was entirely upon the sheep. It wasn't until the third century, like AD 364, that they had the first church building. They meant in temples. They meant in, not, not temples, sorry. Let me take that back. Let's retract that. They met in synagogues uh, or they met in public places, but they didn't have to worry about taking care of it. They didn't have to worry about, oh, that light switch doesn't work or that outlet doesn't work or we're out of toner for the printer or they didn't have to worry about any of those types of things. It was all focused on God's word. It was all focused on God's uh, on prayer. It was focused on and making sure that there was care among the flock. Those are the types of things that they were dealing with. And we're trying to, in the modern model of churches having buildings, I say modern, okay, so 1,700, 1,650 years, let's say, roughly, churches have had buildings. Uh, and uh, even less time than that, that we've had Bibles, actually printed Bibles, to learn what does it mean to, to care for the sheep? What does it mean to, uh, and that's something that we're trying to work at. That's something that with this vision statement that we have stated that we're trying to say, let's make sure that we're not missing what it is that God has called us to do. I haven't gotten very far and it's 19 after the hour already. Um, notice what it says that they're eager to serve. And then it says in verse for not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I mean, those who are uh, in the role of elders, we need to be examples. We need to be able to look at our lives and go, what about my life is something that is not a good example for the flock? Um, one of the things, and I'm just being candid, one of the things I've, I've been trying to work on is I can, uh, I have an angry streak. Um, and, uh, that's an area I've really, the last three, two, three, four years been really trying to work on and not letting that. And so sometimes I'm silent because if I'm not silent, I'm going to say something I, I'll regret. So, um, learning to, to make sure that I am an example in that way, examples of 
you know, here are examples of men who know the Bible. Here are examples of of men uh, who are prayerful. Here are examples of men who are spiritual. Uh, here are examples uh, that uh, that we need to be following. And so I, I look, okay, where am I good, but where am I bad? What is there bad about my life, you know, that, that I wouldn't want other people to follow? So as elders to say, hmm, how are we setting examples. We're not perfect. And part of part of that is acknowledging, like I just did, areas of weakness, areas where I know I'm not a good example. Health-wise, I have not been, uh, I, I've been a yo-yo example, up and down in terms of taking care of self. And, you know, now, again, since the end of May, really trying to work hard at that to be an example of the flock. In fact, this morning I have a meeting as soon as we're done with a young man, and we're going to go meet at the gym. We're not going to meet uh, for breakfast and, and eat food. We're going to go to the gym and do an ab workout together and talk and, and do discipleship uh, while uh, while we're working out, things like that, uh, being an example to the flock. Then it continues on. Let me press on a little bit more. Maybe we'll only cover this aspect of elders this morning and finish up next week. It says, when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. I mean, we are not working for uh, earthly wealth. There's not wealth. In fact, somebody asked me the other day, they said, so transitioning into the role of president, I'm sure that you take a role like that because it's better pay. Actually, I'm losing money by doing this, uh, technically, and uh, um, because I'm forfeiting the little bit of pay as, as a professor that I had, had gotten that supplemented my church income for just one paycheck uh, from the college. But that's okay. It's not about uh, always having the money, you know? And someone said, well, your car's getting some rust. Yeah, it is. I'm going to drive this old car um, because it isn't about the material stuff. It's about helping people to grow and it's about advancing the kingdom uh, and, and that's the calling. In fact, this morning I was listening to a podcast at 3.30 uh, by the Disciple Making Movements people and just uh, hearing about a church that uh, had set out to plant 60,000 churches. No, not 60 churches, not 600 churches, not 6,000, but 60,000 churches. Uh, and the man, the pastor that had this vision was sharing this, and, and somebody came into his church and said, what you're asking is not that hard. And he was part of an organization that uh, within a short stretch of years, uh, I don't remember, it might have been 15 years, had planted 59,000 churches. Um we need to think differently. We need to believe differently. Our faith needs to be differently. The things that, the the, the things that, that matter the most need to be different. And uh, uh, you know, uh, through COVID, I I've led us into being a church that's just kind of, you know, instead of uh, have being vision having the vision that that we could have uh, of uh, expansion. Uh, and I mean, the question that that I'm listening to and I haven't quite gotten to in this podcast is. You know, these church planning movements are happening all over the world. Why not happening in America? And that that's the that's what I want to hear. I haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, but the answer is because we've made churches 
to come sit and listen to somebody rather than churches that help people learn to be disciple makers. And that's a shift that we are trying to make in the life of our church this year. America, friends, I'm sorry, America largely is sitting still on the world stage when it comes to what the incredible things God is doing. That's not to say that God isn't at work here. That's not to say that we don't rejoice at people getting saved and baptisms and things of that nature. It's not to say we don't rejoice when we see the growth in people's lives. You know, I was just talking with Jacob yesterday about, you know, uh, I know I'm at least leaving him with, uh, and our elders with, with a, a group of people who, hopefully it's not all about me, who, but who really want to grow and want to follow and want to dig in. And I mean, you guys get up at six o'clock in the morning or, 6.55 or 6.59.3 or something like that. And uh, I know it's 6.59, 5.59.3 uh, to spend the morning this half hour with me. Um, but compared to what's happening in the world stage, we're, we're sitting still. And to, to, to ask ourselves, what do we do differently? Part of it has to do with, with the care piece. Part of it has to do with how we shepherd people. Part of it has to do with, you know, when I lived on the farm uh, with my mom and dad, uh, we had this this round chart that that would spin. It was, it was on the wall, and it was it was a it was a gestational chart. And my mom used that to keep track of every single one of our two hundred and there were probably with with young excluding young stock probably about two hundred. Uh, cows that she was keeping track of and heifers keeping track of their gestational period, you know, gestation, gestation and whatnot. And when they would have calves and when they need bread and so on and so forth. And, and that might sound like a terrible illustration, but, but friends, elders, I mean, we kind of need to, in that way, know our cows, um, you know, and know, know when we can help them reproduce spiritually and uh, help, help them, help other people grow spiritually. It should not all come down to a pastor. Um, it, it really shouldn't. And uh, uh, if if pastors, pastors think they're doing their job when they run around and do all the ministry of the church, they're not doing their job. Uh, the job of the pastor, according to the job description given in Ephesians chapter 4, let me take you there and show you. And pastors and elders, elders are interchangeable terms to a certain measure. We looked at this before. It was he who gave some of the apostles that this is kind of the role I'm moving into is a more apostolic type of role, trying to figure out how do we become part of a movement? How do we create a movement? How does how do we set ourselves so God would use us for a movement? Uh, not only us, but around the state of Maine and my role and responsibility with um, Concentric. Uh, some to be prophets, uh, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. And verse 12 gives us the job description. They're all responsible to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Our role is to prepare people for the ministry. That's my role. That's Jacob's role. And sometimes we think our role, and we've lived like our role, because we, people like me, I I like to preach. Just for the record, I really like to preach. Um, and I think I hold my own doing it. But if it's not producing the type of fruit that we need to see, then 
something needs to change. And what is that fruit? The fruit is people growing in, in the fullness of Christ. In fact, verse 13 goes on and says, built up until we all reach the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the job, to cause people to grow to maturity. Our, the, the job isn't just to, you know, someone broke their toe, let's go have prayer with him. Nothing wrong with that. The job isn't just, oh, someone, you know, just had a, a, their gallbladder taken out. You need to go visit them in the hospital. Nothing wrong with that. We need to have elders who can do things like that. Um, but even beyond that, what are we doing to make people grow? What, what's the books that we're studying? What, what, what's, uh, what's the sequence going on? Uh, you know, where are people at spiritually? How do we, how do we press them? How do we encourage them? How do we strengthen them? And, uh, you know, I, I certainly we're going to have people who are in the church who will be chair fillers. I was going to say pew fillers, but we don't have pews no more. We have chairs. Um, but still, the burden to be how do we help people press on and move on in their spiritual development to become all that God wants them to be? The role, the responsibility outlined by Paul and outlined by Peter here in First Peter chapter five, and we've only gotten through the first four verses this morning. The charge to elders, uh, and so for people in a church to know what you're looking at, this is what you need to be looking at in elders. Uh, and those of us that are, el- are that are elders, and there's a few of us here this morning, at least two, maybe three, could be four, uh, to say how are we doing uh, at at our biblical role to serve as elders. Uh, I'm going to comment on verse 5 just for a moment. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward each other because because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to come back to that verse and pick up there uh, on Monday. Uh, But young men, uh, just just a, a little note Encourage men in your life if you live locally and you don't live in uh, Rhode Island or you don't live in Virginia or you don't live in Pennsylvania uh, or India or somewhere else. Uh, we do have a men's breakfast tomorrow, uh, and I'm not Jacob and I are going to talk about that today because I don't know how it's going to go exactly. I, I have to leave by eight tomorrow morning, and uh, so uh, encourage the young men, encourage the older men. Uh, those of us that are leaders, let, let's evaluate our, our, our leadership and become all we need to be so the church can be all that it needs to be. Lord, help us. Help us to be followers of Christ who don't design our own pattern of what it means to be a Christian and be a disciple, but studies the scriptures so that we might become all that we're supposed to become as followers of Christ, as men and women, as older men and younger men, as older women and younger women. Lord, we would be fruitful followers of Christ. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Lord, help us to bear fruit for Jesus, to bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. We'll we'll finish up First uh, Peter chapter 5 on Monday. You all have a great day. Hopefully, we'll see you over the weekend.